I warble. <laughs> I, I'm too eloquent to babble, my friend. Um, well, you know, we, 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 we were so rudely cut off last time. So it's, it's good to have this little, I don't know, it's like, it's like vocal exercises before you sing. It's like the little glitch in the Matrix, one might say. <laughs> you know that moment of deja vu where the cat appears twice? Yes. Well, that, 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 that was so weird that, that just as we were talking about how algorithms were, were kind of controlling us, it was like, switch off, well, not having I it. I hope you're not starting a conspiracy theory, John. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about it the other day. I, I quite like the idea of starting a conspiracy theory. I, I, quite, I, like, I was thinking, like, could I sit down and sort of work one out and ha- who could I convince of it? But then it's like, how would you can't control it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it'll get out of hand, as these things do. In fact, the other day, I, I, I heard someone talking about mask wearing gives you cancer. Well, load of old bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> it's not even helpful. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, may, may, maybe if you wear a mask while smoking, <laughs> then, <laughs> then that might be true. But... No, it's, a, it's the blue masks, apparently. Um, oh, okay. Are, they, are some... they full of carcinogenics or something? Then? That's right. Yes, they're, they're full of something that gives you cancer. Um, only it's like, why would you even spread it? Because, you know, like basically not wearing a mask, you're like perhaps potentially um, harming other people's health. Um, yeah. Like basically, um, I think the consequences of not wearing a mask may be slightly higher than the amount of people who will suddenly get cancer through people wearing a mask. So on balance, I'd say, even if it was true, which it isn't. And if you if you're gonna if you're gonna roll the dice right now, which would you rather have? Like cancer cancer or, or COVID? I mean COVID if you're worried about dying. I'd rather have sharks falling out of the sky. Because I've seen it in Shark Nando. <laughs> Shark Nando. <laughs> I know. Who would have cheeky, thought that? Cheeky, was cheeky Nando's. That's real. That is. That's real. Yeah. Talking of which, I was like, you know, we were talking about um, like this simulacra that we live in. I think mm-hmm. um, when we were cut off um, by the uh, the. The conspiracy theory of the the evil bots of the internet must have said he's just about to unveil what lies behind the curtain. Let's cut them off before they expose the belly of the internet to the world. Um, And it kind of reminded me of this uh, article I was reading because I've been heavily into um, like uh, some of the structuralist um, uh, theorists. Um, I was kind of like got into Baudrillard and Guy Debord. Um, um, and I think I was tickled by this article um, where it was saying, look, what if we are actually sitting in the desert of the real, but um, we thought we took the red pill, but then realised that 
the red pill was actually a placebo. And we, at the moment, we don't realise it was a placebo, but just what is what if it was a placebo? And that the real that we're experiencing right now is actually the desert of the real. Um, this is it. <laughs> so so it, it, it's, we, and correct me if I'm wrong, so what we're saying is if you take the red pill, it's like creating an alternate reality or an alternate real that you believe is real, but what if you wake up that that was a placebo and we're in the real real? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I just um, want to make this, just make sure I understand the desert of the real. This, this is yeah. this is like you know that uh, like I, I know Baudrillard did not like the Matrix movie, um, right? And yeah, there is uh, stuff that kind of oversimplifies his um, theories, um, but I'll, I'll you know come back to this later because I think what um, like is going to help us kind of get there on this journey is like thinking back to what we talked about once about uh, Jacques Lacan and some of his ideas. So we've got this um, uh, like lack within ourselves, right? And we're looking, oh, there's something. I've noticed that like I'm always going right, like... <laughs> all the time like and i think oh shit i must stop doing this it sounds a bit patronizing right <laughs> you know what i'm talking about because i'm so fucking smart <laughs> it's a way of affirming your own lack yeah 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 that's right <laughs> you're convincing yourself yeah, yeah, i yeah. am i am I was, yeah. it's like it's 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 because i'm uh like well admittedly so look, what's happened with me is that i'm getting into philosophy yeah and I'm uh, like basically discovering um, new philosophers the whole time, and to get my head around them, like rather than try and understand the minutia of their thought, is I'm I'm having a kind of light introduction to their ideas through um, graphical guides, backed up with YouTube videos that like allow me to get a fairly good um, understanding of what their main um, concepts were all about. But that, but that, that I mean that that makes sense because it's it's like I I, I re went back to Stephen Krashen this week about comprehensible input, and I think when you're delving into philosophy. It's a it's a very dense subject, and it can mm. you know it can take years. You know, many people sort of study it over a three year program through lots of debate and and so forth. So, yeah, it's it's quite nice to kind of surf on it and then wrestle with those early concepts before you deep dive. Because if you deep dive into it, you can get really kind of stuck and and disconnected. And lost. And yeah, lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll just be lost. Actually, talking talking of this, it's like um, you know uh, my my friend uh, Noel um, wrote us a really right. nice review. Yeah, 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 right. really nice review. Yeah, yeah, that was lovely. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I want to say thanks to my friend Claire for she's given me some rather nice pictures recently. But I'll, I'll come back to it at some point um, or whatever. But I just wanted to give a shout out to those two uh, friends. Um, but uh, yeah, um, where was I? Yeah, Lacan. Um, 
So Lacan's talking about this fact that we're kind of wandering around with this like chasm inside ourselves of lack. Um, and it's kind of like the lack that drives our desire. And where do we look for um, our desire? But not within ourselves, but externally outside ourselves. Hmm. Right? We're like uh, travellers going to find ourselves in another land. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. Um, there's a guy plastic pills who makes some awesome youtube videos that describe a lot of um uh the fundamentals of lacan um the board etc and i think he beautifully illustrates um lacan's concept of lack in his video but he says himself that he's kind of thinks he's uh um underestimated the intelligence of his audience so he's going to be removing these videos soon to replace them with what he thinks are better videos i i would argue that actually that's something that i i think they're they're really good as they are i'm interested in what he makes next mm. um uh but i i can vouch that for me uh, where i'm at these were lovely introductions to Lacan's ideas, um, and if he if he makes it sort of more challenging, it may lose what was so good about them. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how people make stuff and then they they'll find all the fault in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's slightly ironic that, yeah. uh, that their own lack is eating at them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they cover it from lack. Yeah, yeah. But, but that kind of reminded me of what Noel was saying about our podcast is that like you know we are uh exactly what we say two blokes talking about trying to make sense of shit philosophical shit yeah like yeah. two blokes sitting in a pub talking about philosophy well you know that lacan right well you know I mean? oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's quite interesting that fellow any um <laughs> but it makes it more accessible like yeah yeah well it's also you don't need to have studied philosophy to get our podcast but that 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 that, that's the problem with i think when people over intellectualize and and project uh and you you hear it with first first year philosophy students or the same with first year psychology students they kind of go oh well the reason you're doing that is and lacan says and that's well, just sort of a pretend. I, I like the fact that we're t two self-confessed idiots yeah. <laughs> bumbling our way through it. But but you can hear the thought process and the wrestling with it, which is more the wrestling with it is more interesting than the rearticulating. Yeah. Oh look at me! I've read a book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Intellectual. yeah. Um, but I I would argue, you know, like uh, you just like said, oh, Lacan says. Well, really, if you understand what Lacan is saying, he's saying that we've got this lack within us and we're looking outside ourselves to fill this gaping hole of lack. And that um, we're try trying to actually uh, understand what his ideal eye is. Is like, imagine um, you're a kid acting out being a pop star in front of a mirror and your imagination is thinking about the gaze of the audience on your imagined self if i was a pop star if i was a celebrity if i was famous 
yeah, because we are craving the gaze of the other. Um, and so we there's, think- a, there's a, re- a really good recent uh, French film which got loads of controversy uh, called Cuties because it's about like 11-year-olds looking at this kind of, uh, what's it called, twerking kind of like very sexualized videos online and then trying to replicate it because they want to get, you know, they want to be special because they're actually in inner city. uh, uh, And there's a brilliant scene in it where they, and I mean, it it was put in a trailer and out of context and that's what caused the controversy. But they get up on this stage and kind of go through this incredibly raunchy routine, which is just replicating what they've seen and expecting the same admiration. And everyone's looking like slack jawed, yeah. like, what the fuck is that this? When you said it reminded me of that, 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 their idealized gaze and then what actually happened yeah, the, the real. Yeah, they are the kid. Um, and yeah, I've, I've seen discussions over the cuties thing. I've never seen it, but um, I, saw, I saw the trailer and I thought, yeah, this is dodgy. Uh, and, and, uh, the, and the, the trailer shows it, and the trailer is dodgy. Uh, whoever cut it had no idea. Because like, you know. <laughs> yeah. the, the film is essentially making the comment on these right. kids rep- trying to replicate something that they don't really understand. Yeah. Okay, but the kids are never going to understand, and they will never. We, as as you know, adults, we don't understand ourselves. Yeah, no. we will never understand ourselves. This is what Lacan was kind of saying again and again and again. You know, uh, in Plastic Pills's video on Lacan, he'll say he'll have this little cut of Jude Law going, "How am I not myself?" You will never be yourself. How will I not be myself? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you will never be yourself. Um, but so, so taking what Lacan was talking about, this desire um, to be myself and to to get the attention, um, to get the gaze of the other upon mm. ourselves. How do we do it? Well. This is where I've got to get into a little bit of the commodity fetishism stuff. Um, so I was looking at a book on Marx, um, Karl Marx, and uh, um, the reason was because I'm trying to understand other stuff, and it kind of led to me like, look, I won't understand this unless I understand a bit more about Marx. Um, right. I've never really. Um, read anything about Marx it's just like that school playground sort of like oh right so this bloke Marx in he's like you know for the people right people power yeah and uh, <laughs> um, yeah sounds alright to me um, I think the only Marx I ever read was was his headstone because I used to walk past it all the time in Highgate admission of but, my Marx but, knowledge there but, yeah Okay, well, well, that's fair enough. My Marx knowledge weren't so different uh, up until about two or three weeks ago. And then I read uh, this introductory guide to basically what Marx was all about. And now I've kind of like, oh, yeah, I know this word proletariat and I know this bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie, I can't even say it. Bourgeoisie. I know, it's really hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, 
what marks kind of like the uh history with marks his kind of observation that there's this thing called use value so um maybe i want to buy a plow for my field and i might barter with a blacksmith or something i might um barter or i might have this money stuff that's kind of useful when i want to exchange something for another commodity um and this kind of like worked um for a long long period of history and led to what we call capitalism um and a lot of marx's uh critique of capitalism um and uh and i thought well well what's changed then and and this kind of got me thinking about sign value and symbolic exchange and these are fucking important for our modern day just just okay. just one quick point on 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 the marxism point when because you you made a interesting thing about that kind of the the, the kind of collective bartering sort of social value and then capitalism comes along and it just sparked a thought that i was, I was reading uh rutger bregman the other week um and he was talking about this this idea of homo puppy homo puppy homo puppy so so the, the, his his supposition is that we are effectively uh domesticated animals of our predecessors like like if you look at our bone structure if you look at the way we've evolved we are the same way that that, that like dogs have become domesticated we've become more soft like and 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 our, our bodies and that have developed to be very domesticated and that's because before capitalism came along we were des we are evolutionarily designed to be friendly to one another and help each other and work together and, and he was explaining like the only reason we have the whites of our eyes is so that we look at each other because to, to, to connect gaze means that you, you help and where we've kind of gone wrong is when capitalism came along that started to create the narrative of fuck everyone over basically and that's what's made us this Sorry, so I, it was just a little interjection as we were going down that. Yeah, I like I like that, but um, it also yeah, I've I've uh, studied why we have the whites of our eyes on the um, introduction to psychology, right. um, and also it's covered in uh, body language stuff that I've studied. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely important to kind of like understand how we're actually evolving as as human beings um to the environments that we create for ourselves yeah. and that that we're we're just kind of really entering um a completely different environment than than the, the environment of marx of a couple of hundred years ago um or or thereabouts um no it's not even 200 years ago is it it's like late eight 1800 yeah, 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 yeah. um and and actually as a little sort of like little meander on a side note here yeah. like to understand sign value and symbolic exchange which is really i think going to be quite like a central pillar to the next two or three uh podcast shows that we put out um you have to look at Ferdinand de Saussure, um, 
Oh, Lacan's famous um, like catchphrase is that um, uh, he says, <laughs> "Can't remember it." This <laughs> <laughs> famous. Uh, oh, look at me with my knowledge of Lacan. <laughs> I can't remember his famous fucking catchphrase, but. Uh, oh, what's it called? The uh, consciousness is structured like a language. That was it. I was struggling to remember the word consciousness. Uh, yeah, I think I was like the unconscious is structured like a language, or is it consciousness? No, conscious. Uh, the the human mind is is structured like a uh, like a language, and so Lacan was like became kind of like rather interested in all the work of Ferdinand de Saussure, as as most um, uh, philosophers and um, critical theorists of like the 20th century. And um, I, I think I think a great deal of uh, media theory comes from that, like, the, you know, sign signifier, McLuhan. Yeah, yeah. So, so. There, there are it's two sides to the coin, aren't there? There's yeah, the yeah. signifier and the signified. Um, and like understanding this, this, this um, uh, in the context of um, McLuhan um, and some of the structuralists, um, and definitely Lacan, um, we've got to think about how we. Uh, think about um, philosophy not just uh, by synchronic analysis we've got to think about uh, diachronic readings of philosophy diachronic analysis so not just because I'm, I'm not familiar what's the difference between synchronic and diachronic well, well synchronic is is basically the um, relationship between the signified and the signifier right now in modern in the in the current state, whereas diachronic we're looking historically. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. At the relationship between the uh, signifier and the signified, so that when someone wrote a book or or wrote their philosophy, like Plato's um, Ship of Fools or mm. Ship of uh, um, Ah, oh, as another title. I know it is a ship of fools, but um, I think it's called the ship of state in other people's interpretations of the ancient Greek right. language. Um, but but uh, you've got to kind of like read these ancient texts, understanding what the language meant back in the time it was written, not in the meaning of the language as it is written today. Gotcha. So that, that kind of simplifies this whole okay. yeah. thing. And so with um, Lacan, that like um, our consciousness is structured like a language, when we uh, think about Lacan, we've got to think about how language was in the 1960s, 1950s, etc. And, and so, which leads me to Guy Debord. Um, like, I'm sure you've, uh, like, probably encountered quite a bit of 
the board in media studies, have you not? Yeah, and I, I, I definitely remember covering it in communication studies years years yeah. ago, and um, that there were certain things that you were saying about the board that, that that resonate with me about spectacle and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, yeah, um, sort of like the central thing with the board is this society of the spectacle. Um, and so I, I, I bought the audiobook version of the Society of the Spectacle. Um, it's it's not a it's not a very interesting book, John. <laughs> <laughs> but it has a few nuggets that are fucking fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, the 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 nugget that I, I I've taken away um, from board right now is this um, idea that the spectacle is not a collection of images, rather it's the social relationship between people mediated by images. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think Instagram, Facebook, social media. Yeah, because that that that's that's the way we mediate our interpretation of the world now. I mean especially especially in in, in COVID times, we've almost got nothing else too like and 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 that 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 probably causes so much kind of cognitive dissonance because what we're doing is we're being uh, the the whole of the world is being mediated straight at us by this selection of things but you know if you if you go if you went to washington a couple of weeks ago yes all of that was kicking off but also there's a whole bunch of stuff that isn't but you just got this hype it's back to Curtis with hyper normalization of everything being mediated at you to create this image of the world that's quite frenetic. Funny you should mention him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same too. Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot of borderline um, and debord in that uh, yeah. documentary that I've rewatched a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, very observant of you um, putting me onto that one around the time I was just trying to make sense of a pandemic. Um, no, and I, I, I think um, his earlier work as well, The History of the Self, which is off all about Bernays and kind of how, how psychoanalysis was drawn into PR and marketing and then therefore using psychology to mediate imagery to, to effectively affect people and, and create, you know, they, they, they got women to smoke by engineering photographs of women smoking on empowerment marches <laughs> and that, right, yeah. so it, it, it and he 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 understood because he was freud's cousin he took a lot of freudian psychoanalysis and then fed in it's, it's th that's quite a good one to go back and rewatch as well because there's so much philosophy and psychology connected into that well i've i've noticed there's there's hardly anyone not wearing masks in photos of crowds in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think uh, they've probably got a little bit tired of 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 people writing in going, "Fat man's not wearing a mask." <laughs> That's yeah. not such a good example. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, but um, yeah, so so like taking um, some of. The board's idea here of um, what is the spectacle? Um, this, this, uh, you know, the public image of society. Um, and I, 
of course, go back to Public Image Limited, Public Image song. And the lyrics, lyrics are so precise of what we're living in. Um, it's unbelievable. Yes. Um, but take, take that when um, Debord is talking about this omnipresent affirmation that we're all um, trying to mediate via images. So, and is, is, are we, we're trying to mediate affirmation because of our lack, right? That's absolutely the connection that I've made between the board and the call is that um, we lack likes, we lack views, we lack, we lack the gaze of the other onto our projection our curated image of ourself that we present to the world via social media. And and so is is there anything, I suppose, psychologically or, or, or cognitively behavioral where you can accept your lack? Ah, well, that's where it'll break down. If you think about what Lacan talks about with the imaginary and the symbolic, you're creating this fiction that everything's fine, everything's lovely, I'm okay, I'm not going to die from COVID. Um, I, and, and then something contradicts reality, and that's the real. And it all starts breaking down. Um, so what do we do? We peddle out as much fucking social capital in the form of sign value. Right. We exchange these symbols of, no, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah look at me, my life's all right, yeah, you know. I'm all right. Look at me. I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm you, enjoying you, myself. You, you can pretty much tell somebody on Facebook who's depressed by how much affirmation they're trying to pump out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I still haven't quite, you know, when when people put out the negative stuff, initially you think, oh, that's them being really honest. But in actual fact, I think that's probably still a form of affirmation, saying, look how honest I am. <laughs> yes yeah yeah and it's a bit like um me thinking about like uh intelligence and Mm. what what am i doing i'm trying to sound more intelligent than i actually am a lot of the time um no and uh, please affirm that i'm smart please (laughs) well no because it's i suppose i suppose the thing about lack is I suppose what is, and and this even goes back to Harari, I think, that if we acknowledge how truly insignificant we actually are and how improbable we are, you'd be so depressed. So we create fiction to keep ourselves evolving. That's that's what brought humans together and made things happen because we told ourselves a load of lies about, or or a load of fictions about stuff, right? Yeah. We've switched from exchanging use value to exchanging sign value haven't mm. we mm. um and now with these influencers we've oh. got people selling us sign value haven't we we've got these predators of validation known as influences now can you because th- th- this as you talk about this this reminds me of way back in time 
when we we were discussing something similar at the very early parts of Facebook and you came up with that lovely little app which you're not probably allowed to do in Facebook anymore where you were like I can sell my friends for that like you put a value on each oh, friend that's right yeah I called it face value face value <laughs> that was it yeah and because yeah. you had a little you, dollar sign uh like I think it was a little dollar sign in the middle there it was face value and uh, with a dollar sign in between or whether I had been trying to uh, try and stretch this um, uh, what is it it's a symbolic exchange of graphic for the, the <laughs> um, your faith has value to me I can tell you yeah and <laughs> if you think about it that's essentially what well, a few years later, clout came along, which started giving value to your social network. Like, would tell yeah. you, like, you've got a clout score of ten, and then yeah. basically, clout score turned into influencers, right? Because yeah. that's basically all influencers are: is they're saying, yeah. "I've got this much I've noise got this in much the market, this much audience, I've got this much gaze, I've got, um, I've got something other people lack, and people will be willing to pay." Um, like uh, numerical currency value for uh, exchanging what they lack because they need it to be whole and they've got to fill this gaping hole within themselves of, you know, I only wanted to be loved. <laughs> and I, ass I assume that the more you chase the, the sign value and, and so forth, the bigger that lack is going to get because you're not really you're not really dealing with it are you because the more you you you'll never be fulfilled never and you can be never fulfilled. be you, you you can never be fulfilled but but because you don't understand the, the lack you you're doubling down on it it's like a bad gambler i know and and basically like it's like loan sharks isn't it you you uh you lack sign value like like recently I, I've been thinking about what is sign value on Facebook. It's mm. the look at my picture, look at my, how happy I am, look at how how great my uh, relationships are. Look, look, how, look how well I'm dealing with COVID, right? That, that's, yeah. that's a big one at yeah. the moment, yeah. Yeah, look how well I'm coping. Look how beautiful my family is. Um, but mm. for every single... Um, like projection of this uh, sign value of how good I am and how fantastic my life is, someone's sitting out there on the internet feeling depressed <laughs> that their life ain't quite as fucking wonderful and they're feeling robbed and they know they lack. We all lack, but some of us are much better at hiding it. Than others. I, I, I think that there is some study done. Maybe it was even Facebook that did this, um, where they actually showed the more people put sort of affirmation stuff out there, the more depressed it makes anyone, anyone reading it. Oh, I can totally believe that. Because um, you don't you know, think you measure. It becomes that that whole uh, Alan de Boten thing of status anxiety, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm in debt with my sign value is in deficit i don't have any so i need to get some and who's going to sell me some validation 
uh, these nice influencers will tell me how to take a selfie of my bum. <laughs> and... it's, it's interesting because I was talking to my son about it. We were watching a a documentary or, a, or maybe it was just a YouTube video of uh, a rave in the 90s. And he made this comment that really resonated with me. He said, it must have been so wonderful to just completely let it all go, but, you know, be off your head or whatever and know that no one's going to photograph it or use it or nobody's going to make a thing. Like you're just in the moment and the pure. I said, well, it wasn't quite that simple because I think there was a whole bunch of signifier things going on there as well. But I get your point. Like I'd, yeah. I'd not, the stress, it like we didn't have to go through we don't have many memories of there's probably not much photographic evidence of us doing the stupidest things in our youth. There's a bit, but there's not, do you know what I mean? But it's not the same. And this, this, but yeah, but, but the, the photographs we do have, how much value, how much sign value do we have mm, with mm. how much for me? I, I was quite, uh, extrovert and stylish um in my youth yes i can see why um photographs from my past have extraordinarily high sign value because i look fucking cool um <laughs> <laughs> yeah um iconic. iconic i think yeah um i also went skydiving around the world for a few years and so i've got some wonderful uh video and photographic evidence that i've traveled the world i lived in japan i've you know um and i i'm a collector of experiences and as a byproduct i've i've kind of collected a fucking huge fucking fortune of sign value but it, I mean, the, the, what, what's interesting about that is obviously now, so many people go and have experiences for the, in, the 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 choreographed Insta thing, but to have gone and had those experiences, and yes, you've got artifacts of it, but you weren't doing it in the pursuit of the sign value because there was no yeah. sign value in it. And guess what? It's got, it's got the the mother of all fucking sign values, authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, authenticity is everything now. Yeah, 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 and you can't get that with your fucking high resolution iPhone selfie. Yeah, I've got. A, you know, I've got. A, you know, it's fake. Um, you know, it's been. I've got. A, I've got a video that I show students uh, of a YouTube influencer in in the UK, and he's explaining that he he. He does so much on camera and he understands every movement and gesture he makes and the effect it has on his audience because he sees the analytics and da, da, da. And he was saying a friend of his died of cancer. He said, and I needed to post a video about it. And he said, what, what truly breaks me up is he said, I did it. And then I thought I could do it better. He said, and I could get the tear tight. And he said, and I did it. I did it again. And I got the yeah. tear to just fall on the right moment. And he said, I just can't believe oh, it. He yeah. said, and I, I, I had to switch off everything yeah. because I, I had become this, such a puppet of, 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 of signifying. What are we becoming? We becoming? Yeah. I know. Um, actually, something you said just then, was it Caleb's observation of raves must have been? 
mm. amazing. Um, it just kind of reminded me, and I didn't jump in because you were making a really interesting point, um, that I was kind of uh, reminding myself of what I know of Marshall McLuhan. Um, and I, I'm, you know, definitely uh, not an expert with Marshall McLuhan at all. Um, mm. I know his famous strapline and kind of thought, yeah, that's a that's a clever thing to have observed and like, and it's food for thought and a way of looking at some um, media um, through this. Wasn't there a wonderful line that he said something about anybody who distinguishes a difference between education and entertainment knows nothing of either? Right. That's that was him. Yeah. 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 That's I'm paraphrasing because I'm sure it's not exactly that line, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this is what our podcast is. I don't think our podcast should actually be. It's the essence. It's the essence. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it word for word, absolutely as it should be. I really like this podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to do the citation in Appa style, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Um, I, I really like our podcast as I, I think um, like getting this feedback from Noel, I love you, Noel, um, was was so nice because and it Kirsty, kind of, Kirsty, Kirsty gives nice Kirsty feedback as well. Kirsty yeah. does it. Shout out to Kirsty, shout out to Noel, shout out to Claire. And I We're going to become smashy and nicey in a minute. Actually, <laughs> actually there's, a, there's an announcement I want to make later in in okay. this episode but not for now i want to get back to what you just said i was watching a marshall McLuhan um interview with an audience um and he went off on a bit of a tangent and i've never heard it before but he said that jane austen said that people go outside to be alone Mm. and i thought about today with our smartphone did you know like i have to think uh diachronically here <laughs> but i'm actually because i live here and now my instant response to what marshall McLuhan was saying was a synchronic analysis of people go outside to be alone hang on a minute you know my smartphone that I fucking hate? <laughs> <laughs> I switch it off most of the time because I, yeah. I do want to be alone and I want to step away from the computer and go outside to That's disconnect. The perfect, That's the perfect quote for, uh, for forest bathing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and strangely enough, how did I arrive at forest bathing? Because I'm living through a pandemic where I'm connected to the internet and I'm getting overly anxious about all the fucking non-stop bombardment on my little brain trying to comprehend how dangerous this... Well, yeah, because you're, um, you're, you're trying to drink a fire hose. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely. I've never thought of it like that, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you are thirsty to... and you need a drink, but maybe a fire hose isn't the answer to, to that. Yeah. <laughs> Mummy, I've wet my pants. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm anxious that people are gazing at me, going, yeah. Kevin, you little bedwetter. <laughs> But what a beautiful thing to think about. I love Jane Austen for that, if nothing else. Um, she was the person who said, um, I go outside to be alone. Cool. <laughs> I and, get and back to you were gonna you were gonna mention something about the rave. Did I miss that? Sorry. The rave. Well, yeah, where was I going? Yeah, because here I am with my smartphone recording every fucking moment of it. Mm. I'm constantly feeding the simulacra with images of how fucking great am I at my fucking rave and look how cool I am and and all of this and the being connected to the simulacra of and Facebook. That, and that, that, that was the beauty of a rave was it was the co-joining of people having a good time in that moment. I mean, that was the pure essence of, I mean, I'm the whole thing out, emerged out of that, yeah. Stepping out of this simulacra into another simulacra. Yeah. And this simulacra of the rave, yeah, is its own little ecosystem, yeah, hmm. with how ease have you done. <laughs> and, and, and the whole thing of a rave was like, the day i mean i think human traffic kind of covered that beautifully it's like they're sitting in the pub the day after going oh what a great night that was you know so it was the it was it was the experience and the the collective bragging about it i suppose oh yeah i was totally wanking mate and i'll tell yeah. you what days i'll fucking share it on facebook only do i say do i say um how fucking shit i feel i guess i do sometimes but it's kind of bravado sharing isn't yeah. it it's like, you know, oh, I, what a I, day I am today got a fucking great night though wasn't it I mean I, I think I mean I, I, we have student festivals here like music festivals here uh, fairly regularly and concerts and that and I always think like it would be a revolutionary act for one of them to go and not take a picture or fucking live stream it or you know what I mean? it's like like to just go and spend the time and enjoy the moment and not try and signify to anything that yeah. feels almost that would be revolutionary now which this is, is stupid. Why, i shouldn't be revolutionary yeah i i think um uh i'm i'm uh now thinking about this idea that i think we we started with of, of um sitting in the desert of the real um with the realization that all the time at the moment I think I'm pretty fucking switched on that I know what's going on in the world. Yeah, my world view is fucking enlightened, isn't it? Is it not? Didn't I take the red pill? Aren't I fucking enlightened as to what's going on in the world? Yeah, but I'm asking myself, did I take the red pill? Did I take the blue pill to stay in the simulacra because the real might be um the real might be the desert of the real um and well, no, but also, 
I mean, uh, going to Japan or going to Norway, that in itself is a form of escapism from some some form of real, right? Well, yeah, and we take out we, we what we take the red pill to break out of the simulacra, okay? Mm. Well, maybe I've just transferred to another simulacra. It's all yes. a simulacra, the whole world, yeah. Um, and this brings me to something totally central to Baudrillard, where he's talking about it's an infantile world full of petty shit, you know? And Disneyland is there to conceal the fact that it is the real country, all of America, that is Disneyland. And that we're tricked into thinking that we go to Disneyland and, oh, everything's so fucking happy and jolly and childish and I'm kind of, I, I, I feel it's fake. This, this is fake, but actually... Maybe Disneyland is the real, and it's everywhere that's not Disneyland that is fake. Everywhere well, look, outside it's that's infantile. There was there was an interesting fact I came across whilst working at Disney, and I can't remember who. Anyway, somebody told me uh, that there is an actual schedule across the world of when Mickey Mouse appears in a Disneyland, right? Mm. And it's all time so that, that Mickey Mouse cannot coexist in two places at the same time. Even though it would be impossible, I mean, and, and I'm talking about a time before smartphones, I was told this, so there was no way anyone could go, well, wait a minute, how, how can Mickey Mouse be in Orlando and Japan at the same time? So it's all <laughs> to not break the myth that there's only one Mickey Mouse. True. And and I, I always like the the, the 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 detail of creating that myth and creating that alternate reality. Like nobody <laughs> gives a shit about it, but it 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 was an important construct. And then when you start thinking about that, you start thinking about like, are all of these simulacras kind of working in the same way? Are they all being orchestrated in some way so that you know, well, we can't have two Trumps at the same time. They can only be one Trump, you know. Only one Trump. And uh, this kind of does bring us to the parasocial relationships we have with the celebrity or the influencer or the YouTuber. Um, and I kind of started thinking about um, parasocial relationships. And I think you said to me that you'd been talking about them recently too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can, can you think of one that you were? Uh... I think um, I I actually had. I, I, I've not had many parasocial relationships because I think I've always I've always had a healthy disdain for celebrity or or so forth. But I had a real parasocial relationship with John Belushi. Okay, and I, there was just something, and it's weird because I only really discovered him after he was dead and so forth but it, it was this um it just felt very connected and i became obsessed with his story and understanding and and, and all sorts but that that's the only person that i've ever consciously been a, I, I know that there are many unconscious parasocial relationships but um i've i've had 
I, su- I suppose it's also just having worked in entertainment and stuff. I've been around celebrities, and that therefore I don't kind of <laughs> subscribe to a lot of the uh, the notions of it. But that that was one. Um, I, I've I've said that you know I've had a a twenty year or more uh, parasocial relationship with Robert Smith from The Cure. Right. Um, yeah. It was my fucking god. Um, um, like. And I, I, the way I see the relationship these days is we're still friends. I still like him. Um, mm. uh, unlike Morrissey, which went a bit hypertrophic, <laughs> like <laughs> I read his autobiography, I started thinking, I really don't like you as a person. I think you're an absolute arsehole. The more mm. I read of you, the more I dislike you. Um, and maybe this is why you wrote it, because you didn't want the gays, you're fed up with the gays. So maybe you're 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 writing this autobiography to disgust me of your personality, so that you stop receiving so much attention. Um, mm. I don't know, but but I love his songs, I love his lyrics, but I don't like. Him. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I think that the, the it's like separate. And uh, people talk about this all the time nowadays, but like separating the art from from the artist, and they say you you know you can't completely do that. But I think I've always just liked the art, and I'm not really that interested in the art. I'm, I'm not really interested in the artist as a person. It's the same like I love watching uh, performances by actors, but I have absolutely no interest in them as people because to me that kind of breaks the whole artifice of what acting is about. The more you know about the actor, then all you see is the, is you know, the more you know about Tom Cruise, every time you see him on screen, it's Tom Cruise. He is not, I, I don't know a single character he plays because he's always Tom Cruise. Right. I, I stopped watching um, the, how they made this movie. I, the DVD extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like, they were a novelty when DVDs first started coming out. <laughs> I'm back to Marshall McLuhan if ever I saw it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the <meme. Yeah. laughs> it's the message. It's like no longer is the movie just the movie. It's how we made it. And wasn't the fucking director wonderful? Have you ever heard an actor say the director was a cunt? <laughs> I have, but they're not on DVD extras. Oh, right. They would never put it. But there are a few films out there that really go into depth on. I mean, there's a brilliant film by Werner Herzog called My Best Fiend, where the whole film is about his hatred for his lead actor that he put in many to the point he held a gun at his head and the actor hated him. And so it's, it's quite a nice decon. But that's okay. always after the fact. But 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 yeah, you. You don't those. I first loved those behind the scenes things because it it gave me an insight into filmmaking which I'd read about but I didn't see. But then yeah. I quickly realised that that was all an artifice in itself mm. because it, yeah. it, it, it it's not really telling you remotely what happened. And all of those interviews with these people is all, like I've done hundreds of those, uh, uh, like you know, talking to actors in in hotels and. <laughs> They go, yeah, I've done done the can thing, and they go on, and then they go through all of the stuff. Oh, he was wonderful, and da 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 da. Then you cut. Oh, he was a complete ass. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? How how we've swapped from that to 
curating our own lives in much the same way on mm. social networks, isn't it? That that we're doing exactly the same thing. Like we we don't actually say what we really feel anymore. Um, well, every, everybody is a celebrity now. Because yeah. we've all yeah. got we've all got our own platform in some way, yeah. shape, or form, and we are we are affecting the way we talk, the way I mean, I I we probably we're doing it right now. You know, we we will modulate what we're saying, and there will be things that we don't, you know, the the, the true us that we won't say on there because we go, oh, what what if that pisses someone off? Not in a conscious way, in a subconscious way. Um, and that's the dichotomy of the celebrity, I guess, because they can be. Then you get into the whole world of cancel culture and and so forth. You know, like if you do the wrong thing, and everybody can be cancelled now, whether it's you're a celebrity or whether you're a uh, postman. You know? I can block you on Facebook. Now I don't have uh, conflicting world views entering my. Um, my world, my simulacra, my fucking safe zone, um, like, and and because I block um, people that don't share my worldview, because um, I can't like be asked to waste the time and oxygen on these kind of people. I'm actually weakening myself through actually being able to debate with someone with a competing world view. And seeing as I'm constantly fed only one side of a, a dichotomy of views, um, often like uh, Democratic versus Republican, um, yeah. left versus right, um, we, we arrive at this catastrophe um, of civilization where we we like create a frankenstein's monster of trump and as i was reading kind of like uh this article which is kind of relating um baudrillard's idea of um the simulac the simulacra um and this also kind of ties in nicely with the board's um, Society of the Spectacle, where um, the article makes this uh, point that if Trump is the fullest possible expression of the howling emptiness at the heart of our age of simulacra, or Facebook, he also points to the return of the real. And I think we got a little tear in the reality when um, the Trump supporters went into the capital um, on the 6th of January. Yeah, because that that was that was a such a wake-up call for so many people. I mean, it had been predicted mm. that that was going to happen for years, and it was the culmination of where this was going to go, but it, it has woken people up. I mean, it, this ties in with a, a, a thing I was reading this week about uh, game design. And it was it was looking at game design and the existence of QAnon, and it, it, it mentioned this this term that I'd never heard before, apophenia. And ah. so so ap apophenia is essentially you've you've got a game and you've got a game design, but you can't control where people 
go and what they do. And and apophenia is what designers dread, which is when people essentially go off piste and yeah. the game becomes the the trying to do something else which was not designed within it. And and to me, the 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 QAnon, the capital thing is apophenia for for the construct of society. So it, it's like people have gone so into this. No, we, we, we've got this conspiracy, and we've got this, and we've got that, and, and they're so kind of off the beaten track. And I'm not saying that the that democracy and and society as it's written and the rules that are written are right necessarily, but it seems like, and I I think we've got various pockets around the world that have now got apathy. Conspiracy theory is apophenia, and and. To, to some degree, conspiracy theory. I mean, there's conspiracy theories about conspiracy theory now. You know, like the CIA invented it as a term to shut people down. And what we've kind of got is, and I suppose it's that everyone is going into this, these alternate realities because they've gone down their own little narcissistic path of information, and then they're creating their own apophenia. And every, it's almost like everyone's got, a, it's not like 50 people collectively went over to the side. It's everyone's got their own line of it. It's it's because that's what the algorithms do. They create our unique reality tailored to us, our own narcissism. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know even yeah. where. I see I went into apophenia there. I went way off track. But, but, but it, 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 it's when you say like we're waking up in the desert of the real, I feel like outside of the desert is this sort of notion of apophenia and then it's like ah oh. and i think I, I made a comment this week about um how all of this kind of resonated with me about lord of the flies and like now now biden's got the conch yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and and because it is it's that mo i always loved that moment at the end of lord of flies where they all kind of look at each other like what have we done and and then there's a beauty. I mean, the beauty of the end of Lord of the Flies is they get picked up by a warship, and they're like, "I can't believe civilized British boys did this." That you know, the fucking warship is saying that. But and I feel like that we're in a little bit of a moment like that, like the end of War, Lord of the Flies, which is like we're looking at the Trumpism and all of that, and going, "Yeah, that's the kids on the island," but actually, they've just been picked up by the warship. I think we're. I think we're now like living at the end of capitalism where yes yeah, we're in the death rattle, death rattle of capitalism yeah yeah and that no longer like does use value have value because you can have your image like you can not be a politician you can be the first president to being president without being a politician and not being a businessman either. You're you're basically a celebrity who's put your name on some buildings because daddy was rich. And you've built up an absolute fiction concerning yourself as a business genius at a time where the climate was absolutely perfect to say, we're tired of um, the mainstream politics. We, we want something different exactly i mean look 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 at the inauguration right the the inauguration was essentially stolen by by a young poet laureate right who who 
and, and, and don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful speech, but that is the mechanics of influencer far more than, than the mechanics of politics. And, and that took more precedent over anything that any politician said that day. I, I also think that, uh, like, I don't know, but Bernie's mittens had sign value coming out of the fucking There wall, is that, man. there is that as well, yeah. I love, I love Bernie's mittens. <laughs> um I don't believe that's a conspiracy either. I think Bernie's a lovely man and he's got his little brown envelope with the tickets um, that he just sat down in and some lovely lady had knitted him those very comfortable-looking mittens. Um, And that was a really nice thing. It's actually, if it was like a conspiracy, like if it was um, curated to be a kind of like, here's what you could have had, um, if you want authentic person who cares about you, I, I, you know. I think um, I, I think I read an interview with the photographer, and he said it wasn't the best shot that he took of of that scenario. But there was just something about yeah. the juxt- the content, and it's interesting. But again, you you, you took a sort of a great moment like that that signified a lot. And then everybody turns it into a meme. I'm guilty of it too. Because yeah, and and then and and then it becomes about the, the 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 sign value is in how inventive you've been with the meme, not actually what. Do, do, do you just see what I mean? It's it, it got very quick. You saw the the how the meme spread. Nice. Yeah. And, no. And now 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 probably the Bernie meme is virtually banned because well, it's, it's it's burnt out so much. What about this then? Okay, so um, Baudrillard's thing with Disney um, and like that Disney is like a simulacra within a simulacra and it's kind of like um, like just gives this facade that everywhere that isn't Disney is somehow serious. That's where the adults are outside of Disney. Um, whereas actually the, the reality is is that it the, the, the whole world is a fucking simulacra. Um, when you think about um, historical movies like Apocalypse Now or more recently um, HBO's Chernobyl, we don't mm. think of Vietnam. We weren't in Vietnam, or at least... Right. I, I used to tell my friends at school I was there, <laughs> like just to be <laughs> fucking ironic. <laughs> yeah, I used yeah, to yeah, go yeah. around with my T square and a whole load of marker pens all taped together like a fucking bullet chain, and like right. like do like uh, Rambo esque crawls under the desks, <laughs> pop out and go, "You fucking push me! I'll give you a war you won't believe." <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, actually, I, I actually had I had a Vietnam vet for an uncle and he used to take me on camping trips and I'm still traumatized from it because he would have flashbacks <laughs> and teach and he would teach us how to make Molotov cocktails and throw them at things he <laughs> was pretty boring he was a nice guy but Mr Ecclestone hello Mr Ecclestone if you're out there listening you were quite good yeah. you were quite fun um, but I remember Mr Ecclestone Saying, Kevin, you weren't in Vietnam. Now sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was, I was like playing on the uh, 
are playing on this like thing of like you weren't there either, sir. You don't get to see your buddy's guts blown out. You didn't see fucking people shooting babies, sir. <laughs> you you not fucking experienced it. So that gives you the right to talk to me about Vietnam, sir. <laughs> Uh, I think I got oh. sent out to the hallway to, to calm down, <laughs> which was probably the right thing to do. But it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but, 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 I mean that that that's the the sequence I love in hypernormalization is when he just he juxtaposes all the shots of buildings blowing up, like five years, like all of the cinema from five years before September yeah. the eleventh yeah. happened, and it's it's just this like the way. What? the way we've kind of seen we've seen this before and it, it and we actually probably remember most of 911 in a cinematic way now yeah we we certainly i remember the watching hbo's chernobyl and it's got this mm. perfect um geiger counter played over the soundtrack yes 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 and it's like now my memory of Chernobyl, because I have a few memories of watching on a um, Cafe Ray tube television uh, mm. footage from a helicopter flying near Chernobyl and, and seeing yeah. that kind of like on rinse and repeat. And there was mm. a cloud of radiation going over Scotland and worries about sheep becoming radioactive and and stuff like this on the news at the time and there's the memory of what was actually happening but now that i've seen the hbo one it's more real than real (laughs) and this is exactly what a lot of baudrillard's stuff is all about that this fiction this simulacra we're filling it with fake um uh like concocted um well no and 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 that was something that really really struck me when i went to the 911 museum which is I, I i don't recommend it um because it's a fucking it's a graveyard people shouldn't be walking around like but the whole thing is is set up and it is this strange concoction of the story of the day you know and and it's really weird to walk around a museum and see all of these artifacts which are essentially from only like 20 years ago so you're like oh yeah i remember phones like that and it but what was weird was was walking with my t- sort of 10 year old daughter and she just went around going are they dead are they dead <laughs> and it was like and the, the the bit that struck me was when there was there was a footage of the plane crashing in and, and they had it on this loop which was again a kind of strange choice and she was like were planes in black and white back then because it was oh, a sort wow, of grainy yeah. <laughs> grainy picture of this thing yeah. and it, it, it it's funny like again all of the signifiers that are in that, all of the, the, and it made me think about that. I'm so used to going to museums and taking everything at face value. And then I see something 
that I saw kind of unfold in, and, and I, I was in a newsroom when it happened. So, so I sort of saw all the raw footage coming through and it was really weird to see it so constructed in the same way as like you watch, I think some of those very saccharine documentaries about it as well. And it kind of, you know, the, the let's roll stuff and all of that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what, that's not what it's like. Right. And it's the same. So it was, we have, we think of Vietnam as this thing. Yeah. Because that's all we know of it, because it's the way it's been packaged up for us. It's also uh, like now we have synchronic analysis of it, whereas we, like mm. as you were saying, Junie, um, you were looking at it uh, diachronically because you yeah. can, because you were there yeah. at that time. Yeah. So yeah. you're able to understand the language of the um, uh, signifier and the signified in the context mm. of that time in history. Um, whereas these young whippersnappers, they don't have that. They don't have it. And, and of course they don't. But they will, obviously... Um, what is it? Yeah, I mean, it, I realised that as I was talking to her about that, at the same token, this realisation that I can remember my grandfather talking about World War Two, and he was in World War Two, and I, I'd be like, oh, boring. Going on, you're, you're always going yeah. on about it, Grant. Because I, I had no concept. I just had no concept. Exactly, I had no concept of how important it was when I was a kid. Yeah, and and that that's ridiculous because as a kid, I was closer to World War Two as a child than I am to my childhood now. Yeah. Like there was, there was a lesser gap between World War Two and me being born than me being born and now, which is ridiculous actually talking Sorry. about talking about death talking about yep. death like you do so flippantly <laughs> not really important it kind of brings me to another point um that i've been thinking about that's to do with um Baudrillard's concept of um symbolic exchange and death what happens when death loses its value mm-hmm. like and, and I, I've been thinking about this, that, that um, in history, we used to put kings or pharaohs in tombs with lots of gold and, and um, uh, you could be dead and have all this enormous value in your death. Um, same with uh, the cemeteries being put in the centre of the city. Um, that we value death. Um, and then as we've come closer to today, the cemeteries have spread out to the outskirts of the city and we started actually hiding them away. Like in, even, you know, like in Paris, they they stuck the dead underground. So you've got mm. these like underground catacombs. Catacombs, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was like Baudrillard's kind of like picture, and also like the cover of his book has a picture as kind of like Day of the Dead in um, South America, and like yeah. he's making this rather interesting observation of society's value of death. Um, I I would guess now that I know the words uh, diachronic and synchronic 
um, I'm going to have to use them (laughs) (laughs) just to show that I'm really smart and smarmy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I guess Baudrillard is actually looking um, like and making both a diachronic and synchronic analysis of the history of how we value death throughout history. Um, yeah. and something I'll talk about at a later date is what I'm currently reading up on, which is a lot to do with Foucault and power. But, but Baudrillard um, makes this observation that as we've transferred from Marxist um, exchange of materials and we've transitioned into a symbolic exchange of sign value, death has no value because it has no image. Um, or, sorry, it has no... Yeah, death does have it. It has the skull, doesn't it? But it has no intrinsic sign value because when you're dead, all your symbolic value has gone. It's disappeared. It's taken out of circulation. Like when you're dead on Facebook and you're no longer posting images of your perfect life, then you don't have any value. But wasn't wasn't that the wasn't it MIT? I, I think it was an MIT project. <clears throat> Might have been Stanford. Um, I remember it. Attorney.me, which is where you could effectively plug in all of your Facebook data, so it could keep posting as you after your death to yeah. keep your memory alive. <laughs> which would be that would be like like that, which is very Black Mirror. But yeah. We t- about it when we were talking about San Junipero as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I and could that could that actually? I mean, I think that was just a project. I don't yeah. even know whether it ever took off. Is, could that actually be a thing? Could that be a function of Facebook in the future? Where we're heading, John? Could it? Could it? Could that be the destination? Could that be our awakening of the red pill? That we've we've been living this life convinced that we took the red pill and we're enlightened and our worldview is significant and has importance yet actually we're just in a kind of like uh, um, a first simulacra um, and that we're preparing to actually go to um, the cloud we're preparing for San Junipero um, that the value in this simulacra is lost, but the experiences will set us up with a bank balance and opening balance for the afterlife in a future simulacra. But there's, I suppose there's no reason that we're not in that cloud version of the simulacra right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because, because if you are, like the Matrix, you would, you would have to have all of the things convincing that you... Were, were here could it just be a replay <laughs> could it just be again and again and again it, it, i can't, I can't there's a thing in physics where like the 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 radio waves of now will survive so many hundred thousand years as they permeate through the universe so the echo of now is on another planet will be on another planet in a hundred thousand years or something and somebody tuning into it will think that's now when we're long gone and dead yeah 
but there's no reason that couldn't be that's all we are now that's true that is true i think uh yeah and maybe maybe, the, maybe that maybe that's what the lack is maybe it's like you know like um you're much better at this you know like when the internet sends packages over the early days of sending packages over and sometimes it missed a bit yeah yeah <laughs> our lack is just like the the, the package of the simulacra it's just the lack it's coming bit. back for yeah. a parity check it's like saying yeah, and we're like not received in full i need this package and then we're actually living it out we're acting out our role in this simulacra to create the missing packages to send off to the future um that actually brings me to a nice part where we kind of intersect here with what i'm like uh getting into with Foucault and zizek um but i think i'll just sort of like briefly say well something that i found quite interesting about Foucault was he noticed how we changed in history during these different stages i i've forgotten what they are but one was the enlightenment another was the classic and uh um i've forgotten the third um could have been just here and now um uh um but foucault uh sort of observes how we change the way we deal with the the mad um um that that back in uh before the Renaissance, um, the mad were like considered an asset. They were just different. They fought differently, so they had value. They, yeah. they were they 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 um, had some value. Much like um, the way that the elderly in Japan are considered as an asset, um, right. which is very different than than uh, Western culture. I find mm. it's been observed yeah. things that well, we don't send them off to old people's homes so much in Japan. There are old people's homes, of course, but um, old people generally are seen as an asset, especially for your business. They were the people that started this business. They know it better than anybody else, and their their opinion is really, really important. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Foucault points out that, like then. Um, at some stage, they decided that the man that, that the mad should be incarcerated, and, and another time that the mad should be expelled, sent out, mm. like to leper colonies. Um, um, same kind of things happening with the elderly. Same kind of things happening with the poor, um, and it opened up a whole load of debate on whether he was right or wrong in his observations and people still kind of debating his point but i did find it interesting and um it kind of leads into where i'm going with zizek and um uh like uh what's his book the sublime object of ideology that's the one i always forget ideology but um yeah um like because when you look at our ideology i i i find that the whole idea of ideology quite hard to actually define yes um, but i've 
I've come across a definition that I think I'm going to stick to this as my definition of what ideology is. It is the scaffolding of our consciousness. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that we experience things and we either absorb these concepts into our ideology and therefore say, look, this is solid. I'm going to actually start constructing the ideology, my own personal mm. ideology, like scaffolding within my consciousness. Uh, and that seems to be a nice, strong place to actually start um, understanding what Zizek is talking about. No, and I, I mean, I will probably get it in much more in depth into it next time, but I love that video you sent of uh, Jaws being the end of capitalism because there was a really good uh, Guardian article around the 40th or 45th anniversary of Jaws, I forget, I forget maybe it's 45th, um, where it says, you know, Jaws is not a film about a shark and it was just relating it to everything that was happening with Trumpism and Brexit and so forth. And it is, it's because Jaws has all of these signifiers of, of capitalism and various other things about humanity, for sure. Definitely, definitely. All right. Yeah. So we, 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 we've, we've kind of come, because we, we were sort of kicking off with the awakening through the red pill and are we in the desert of, of the real, which is, you know, and, and part of what we were saying there is, is are we at the end of capitalism? And then we're sort of ending on Zizek because Zizek has a lot to say about capitalism, which we can probably cover in the next. Yeah. And I think like, um, as, as we were talking about today, We've covered absolutely huge uh, area, a huge surface area, kind of like quite a um, shallow dive through a huge amount of different interrelated topics. Um, and there may be time to revisit some of these things in a kind of deeper level, but also break yeah. into um, other ideas next time. It's it's like uh, here in Norway, you 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 go skating on uh, on lakes, and one of the things I've noticed, like as you're skating around the lake, and you're thinking, "Oh, this is all you know," blissfully spinning around here and and whizzing across water, and uh, then you hear the, the, the lake makes these strange kind of sounds as the ice is creak and obviously expanding and stuff under the water, and it makes these sort of very bombastic sounds. And I think we we've been skating on the lake and there's lots of deep resonating sounds underneath that we can explore later that that kind of echoes of, of of things that we'll keep tapping into i think actually yeah um in the last couple of minutes of our show today i thought um something i've done recently kind of like as i've been uh absorbing these ideas from the board mostly but also baudrillard um mm. I'm thinking everything I'm I'm doing is is being seen through the lens of Lacan. Um, mm. I've I decided that I don't want um, like to continue Facebook in in this um, feeding the sign value to a mythical beast um, in the simulacra, whilst at the same time I. I also know that that is modern life. 
that this is how we do live. Yet I don't like the communication being purely this thing. I, I prefer mm. our podcast, to be honest. Um, I have more intelligent conversation or more nourishing. I don't know intelligence the right word there, but I, I certainly think that I feel more satisfied with communicating. Yeah, I, 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 I think this 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 sort of Facebook communicating via text and everybody, it's just everybody's graffitiing on the toilet walls <laughs> of life. Yeah, um, you know. So, yeah, so so what I decided to do was like my name is Kevin Richardson, but I have started a new Facebook account, um, a new email address, etc., um, whereby I will have an account called Kevin Shitsardson, and this account is my attempt. I don't know whether it will be successful. Of to, I I thought maybe I only have between five and ten friends on Kevin mm. Shitsardson, but each one of these friends is someone that I actually value the relationship above the sign value, and that I will communicate what I really think without the curated bullshit of look at me isn't everything wonderful um mm. and if people like it fine if people don't like it fine people can interact with me or not um but i will write my honest thoughts on this account and i will slowly reduce the amount of content that I'm putting out on my other Facebook accounts. <laughs> yeah. um, each one has a purpose. I have one for people that I don't really know. I have one for people that I do know. But that account is to do with um, like the same uh, superfluous um, shit that Debord is talking about in the Society of the Spectacle. So mm. I can't just get rid of it because this is one of the preferred methods of communication with my mummy. Um, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And also, yeah, I will uh, probably publish photos from Japan with my wonderful life. Um, I probably will share the occasional amusing thing, but I want to kind of reduce that because I don't think it's adding so much value to my life. I'm more into changing course, circumambulating towards something that I think is more valuable. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I often wish, because I think like I'm, I'm stuck with Facebook in the sense of, yeah, just uh, 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 connections with family, but, you know, there are, there are, it, 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 it is better sometimes than email in terms of just having that that connection to people. But I don't like the news feed and I don't like how it draws you into sharing or, or communicating about things that just it's just it's just sort of gutter sniping. And I, I've always wanted the news feed to, to be tabbed so that I can have like this is this is like my my politics tab, or this is, my, and you and you just have your 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 friend. Like I have friends who want to talk about those things, and that would be great. And then I've got, I've also got like family members 
who really don't want to hear my political. Do, do yeah. you know what I mean? I, yeah. I feel like Facebook always misses a trick on that because they have this filter system that is utter shite. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> I'm amazed they didn't cut us off there, Kev. <laughs> the bots are failing. <laughs> well, it, 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 didn't that happen at the end of Minority Report where all of the sort of predictive bots and everything started to fail because somebody had stolen something? Or And I think like we're seeing the wheels come off all of this stuff at the moment. Yeah, we are. Cool. All right, mate. Well, that seems a good place to stop and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with uh, Foucault and and Zizek next time. Yes, definitely. All right. I'll be catching up. All right, mate. Take care. All right. Cheers, John. Take care. Beautiful friendship. Burning up.